Hi, I'm Nikki LaCroce, and you're listening to the Who the Fuck Podcast. Inquisitive, authentic, unapologetic. A show designed to create connection, fuel compassion, activate change, and figure out just who the fuck you are. Hey gang, thanks for joining us for the latest episode of the Who the Fuck podcast. Our guest today is Elena Mae Grunberg, and we're going to be talking about Elena's decision to transition to a plant-based diet and how she seeks to inspire others to do the same in an effort to help stop the exploitation of animals and save the planet. Elena and I met a little over 13 years ago in Italy during our semester abroad when we became flatmates. Over the years, we've shared lots of memories, many bottles of wine, and more laughter than probably anything else. Welcome to the show, Elena. Why don't you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, hi. I'm so excited to be talking to you um, as a friend because I miss you and as a podcast guest because it's my first podcast ever. Yay. Um, So so for the listeners, um, I grew up in southeastern Massachusetts, basically surrounded by cranberry bogs and pine trees with my family. And now I live in Rhode Island, which I've been here on and off since 2011. So, um, yeah, I live in Pawtucket, Rhode Island with my husband, Matt, and our two fuzzy animals, Amy and Basil. And right now I work as a graphic designer and I do illustration, um, specifically plants and animals, which is pretty obviously a passion of mine. So let's start with a simple question. How long have you been practicing vegan? Both Matt and I have been 100% vegan for a little bit over two years and vegetarian since 2011. And I started that kind of on my own after a really funny sort of conversation and bet that Matt and I had when we were living together in Bristol. So he, I was complaining that Sarah Palin was hunting wolves and it really bothered me. (laughs) And he essentially was like, well, you eat chicken. So you're doing the same thing. Someone has to kill those chickens. And I said, you know what? You're right. I'm going to go vegetarian tomorrow. (laughs) And that's what I did. And so since then, it's been like a journey. Started as kind of a dare and then turned into something that I got really passionate about. Yeah. When you and I met, we shared many non-vegan meals. Cheese, prosciutto, milk. We're all staples in our diet. Uh, Nutella and baguettes as well. A lot of shame associated, really, (laughs) with all of it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't until years later that I could recall the first time that I remember you considering going vegan because we were actually, you were visiting in Philly with our other roommates, uh, Teresa and Jess, and we were in the subway. And at the time, you must have been following the more vegetarian playbook. And I remember somebody handing you a pamphlet about veganism and you being really interested in it, but I sort of brushed it off. So I was curious if you um, if you remembered that or what your big turning point was. Was it that conversation with Matt? I don't remember the pamphlet, which is really funny because you wrote that and I was trying to remember like what happened and I just don't remember the pamphlet. I think maybe why it stood out a little for me is because we actually had gone to get Philly cheesesteaks and I remember, you know, having this moment where I was, I think maybe witnessing a little bit of the transformation happen for you. So maybe part of it was sort of as an outsider seeing your wheels starting to turn about it. I think it really surprised me a little bit knowing what I just said, you know, our time abroad and eating like the Italians do. Yeah. And I think the turning point for being 100% vegan came later in 2018 um, because that was sort of the point where I knew in my heart forever I would not be eating animal products again. Before I had visited you, I had started doing the vegetarian thing and cutting out animal products for the most part, but still eating some fish, 
still eating dairy, but I do remember eating the Philly cheesesteak and being super grossed out by it. Now, as you're saying, it's sort of like, yeah, I think a lot happened in that trip that I retrospectively looks really (laughs) kind of on point with your timeline of how it started to unfold. Yeah, and sort of like some backstory to why I sort of took Matt's words to heart when he was challenging me about Sarah Palin and the wolves. That's a good um, thing about having a spouse, right? They, you, know, you don't yeah. always have to uh, agree with each other. He's oh, no. like, no, yeah. Elena, t- tell me why this is different. <laughs> <laughs> and then years later joins me in being very passionately vegan, which is really funny. Um, so, yeah, I guess starting like when I was growing up, my mom was and is a very amazing cook. Um, and we would have like standard meat centric meals. So like the ones I remember that she used to make were like beef stroganoff, pasta and meatballs, chicken marsala, tuna casserole, that kind of stuff. And nothing was wrong with that. Like I never thought about it as anything that I should be doing anything differently. Um, and my mom was a vegetarian when she was younger for a little while. I think it was probably a few years. And she used to talk about animal rights a lot. Like she would fight to get elephants from our local zoo brought to a sanctuary. She's very vocal about saving the orangutan, orangutans in um, Indonesia, like very kind of, I think it was like in my subconscious to try to care about that stuff from a young age, but it never really hit me that it was making me really uncomfortable and it didn't feel natural to eat meat. And I had, I had wanted to sort of figure out where my food was coming from um, in a realer sense and kind of know the, like the chain of development from, you know, when the animal was killed until I got to my plate and I didn't realize that that mattered to me until I started really practicing not eating animals and not having animal products. And it, it felt a lot better to know that I wasn't contributing or, you know, putting something in my body that was not it just had like a lot of sort of bad history to it. That's an interesting explanation because I, what you describe is something that is probably the talk track that I have around why I'm not a practicing vegan, which is out of sight, out of mind. It's really easy to think about the fact that I want to eat bacon when I want a BLT (laughs) and not ask myself all those questions. Now, being friends with you... (laughs) I am exposed to plenty of content that you share, and I also just am a nut about certain things, so I I do read a lot, and I find myself asking the same questions that you are asking yourself. I haven't drawn that stark line, and I don't know that I, I may ever or not, but I do feel like those considerations come to mind, and... I'm sort of in that process of weighing, you know, where does my comfort level end? And I'll be completely honest with you that having this conversation felt a little daunting to me. You are very interested, educated, and looking to also try to help people understand and influence them, not in a way where you're pressuring people, this is what you have to do, but you're trying to really make the case for why it's beneficial to to apply this uh, type of consumption lifestyle, for lack of a better term, um, or diet into your life. I totally respect where you're coming from, and I actually agree with you on a lot of what you'll probably say. 
to me, it's more of that internal struggle that you're describing, which is you're, it's like with anything, honestly, that I experience in life as an adult that I might not really agree with. And I'm asking myself, well, why do I do that? And why do I think that? Or what would happen if I didn't do that anymore? And so there is this sort of timeline of unlearning. And then also, how does this impact your life and your health and your well-being? So I, I appreciate the way that you're able to communicate about it because I relate to it a lot, even though I don't follow it. So the goal of influencing is, uh, I think, successful. It's just a matter of, you know, what is the end game for anybody who's listening? And we all have to sort of make that decision in our in our own timeline. Which I like to stress because I've seen a lot of footage of um, people sort of out there promoting animal rights and talking to people and saying you need to go vegan today. But I think that's a really, it's a tough thing to do when you don't have the principle kind of set in your heart and in your brain that you can follow every day and the reasons that are like locked in your head that you can remember to change your habits and why you want to change your habits. And um, for me, it was back in 2018 kind of right after we moved into our house in um, in Pawtucket, we watched a few documentaries that I think a lot of people could get some things out of, which is like, I don't know if that's stereotypical, like a turning point for someone, but... I think it's, I mean, I don't know that it's stereotypical or if it's just the point of a documentary, right? Like, I, you know, I went to school with the intention of being a documentary filmmaker and the whole reason I wanted to do that and why I really value what we're doing right now is because I want to understand people. I want to share stories. I want people to have a forum for explaining things and talking about topics that maybe are a little more taboo or are a little controversial. And frankly, the goal of a documentary is to make you think about what's happening and put you in the context of those experiences because you're not directly having them. So I think that it's not stereotypical. I think it served its purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the, the two that we watched were What the Health and um, Cowspiracy. Because it was basically years of me thinking about it and acting on it, but not fully and not really wondering, you know, about the wool I was buying or the honey that I was eating. Like there were, there or were the a bunch leather of jackets that we bought. Exactly. Yes. Which is still in my closet that I don't wear, but um, I still love. <laughs> well, I was actually, but I can't wear it. <laughs> I know. I was going to ask you about that because, you know, I have a visceral attachment to my leather jacket. And I was thinking, about it, I was like, oh, my gosh, I wonder if Elena got rid of that jacket because I really remember her liking it. And I can understand that you wouldn't wear it, but I also understand completely the sentiment like, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, it, it's already there. It's not like it's saving something now to just yeah. get rid of it. <laughs> I Yeah, I have been phasing out my leather goods. Like I had shoes, I had a wallet, I had a lot of things that were made of leather that I didn't want to use in public. I didn't want to promote the use of leather. So I stopped using them, but like it's an eventual thing. Yeah. And I appreciate that you are so dedicated to your belief system that you are focused on things like that, those details and making sure that, you know, what you're saying is coming from all angles because it stands, you know, people can be hypocritical about that. You know, I'm a vegan. Are you vegan or do you not eat meat? Right. Yeah. A lot of people do it for a lot of different reasons. And I think our, both Matt and me are animals first because we want to try to 
bring light to the fact that they deserve rights and they have feelings and they are, you know, part of the planet and in a lot of cases, part of our families, right? I mean, yeah, I have th- we have three dogs. You have uh, two animals, and mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of companionship that goes along with these animals. And just because we have the ones that are domesticated, doesn't mean the ones that aren't don't deserve that. And I feel like this whole episode is going to be me thinking about how I don't want to become vegan, but like, how can I have these thoughts and not do it? So it's just going to be, it's going to throw me into more turmoil, but I'm glad for that because that's sort of the point of the conversation. (laughs) That's okay with me. That's fine. (laughs) I'm like, I don't agree, but I do agree, but I don't want (laughs) to. Well, it's change that's scary, right? Yes, you're right. A lot of unknowns, but I also... Matt and I talk about this a lot because people are afraid to take the first step, but you literally cannot lose anything by changing one meal at a time. There's nothing that's going to harm you. It's a, it's a funny fear to have, but it's also, it's understandable because it's change and change is just scary in general. Yeah. And you make a good point that it's, it is silly. It's food in the first step. In many cases, it's food. I don't have mm-hmm. a lot of yeah, leather right. products besides the ones that I've gotten in Italy. So that's not like really a, a thing for me. But even just, you know, the types of products we use, face washes, body washes, lotions, things like that. Like, are they vegan or not? You know, and I try to be cognizant of that. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, <clears throat> excuse me, in a lot of ways, that's easier because I can just you know, I don't have an emotional attachment to my face wash. <laughs> I, you know, food is something that is, I think, can be anyway, an emotional experience in certain cases, because there is so much tied to nostalgia, like what you were saying about your mom making these types of meals or going places where, oh, it reminds me of this meal that we ate when we were abroad. Or, you know, there's all these reasons why you can associate food with these memories and these these essential moments in your life and you feel that have even potentially defined you in some cases, you know? And so it's really fascinating to think about how we we can think like that uh, and be so uncomfortable with having to make that change when little by little you're able to do it and not feeling like you have to jump all in 100%. This is who I am now. Because I think there's a lot of guilt or shame for people who aren't all in on it because it's you're somebody who's logical about this but you're also vocal about it I think people worry about criticism of well you're not doing it the right way or you're not doing it for the right reasons or however people want to have an opinion on it and it's it's not really fair because it's everybody's experience is their own and so however you're contributing to helping the cause and giving animals the opportunity to live their lives is important so you can start small you can go big but at the end of the day it it really becomes about what is your belief system first and foremost and then go from there and to your point um and then I'll let you say something sorry because I'm having like rapid fire thoughts about this but um is that you know, people do do it for different reasons. And so it might just be a dietary restriction thing where some people are like, I can't eat these things, so I'm not going to, but I'm still going to use these products. And it doesn't mean, you know, that I am not concerned about animal rights, but it also just means that this is something that I don't want to 
withhold from myself because it brings me joy or it gives me some feeling that I want to have that I wouldn't have if I stopped doing this. So I'll stop there and let let you uh, chime in on that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think it's my, I guess my goal for anyone listening is to understand that in general, the personal choices that you're making also affect there's just a ripple effect to everything else. So if your personal choice is to eat bacon, you just have to understand that that is an animal that died for that purpose. And you're like, so enjoy your BLT this afternoon, bitch. (laughs) No, No, and not, it's not a guilt thing. It's just an, if you are worried about it at all, then you can take those feelings to heart and maybe try to, reflect them in your actions you know what I mean yeah I think that's a great description of it and also for listeners Elena would never call me a bitch she's too nice Um, (laughs) you're way too nice but but I have those moments where I think about it myself (laughs) like are you really doing this I mean I wanted a pet pig for a really long time I wanted a pet duck for a really long time so it's I've had these urges to have animals that are intelligent but not traditional in my life, um, particularly as a youth. And so I totally get it. I mean, I love these animals for, for what they bring to the world in terms of their own environment. And it is hard for me to not feel that push and pull of that hypocrisy because it's, I, I think about it a lot more now. I think about it when I'm eating like prosciutto or something like that, where, uh, you know, I really enjoy it, but then I have to kind of shut down this feeling of guilt that I have to be able to enjoy it. And mm-hmm. as I'm saying this out loud, it's like, how are you justifying this? <laughs> how are you justifying this? And I'm not going to say, though, that like coming off this comic, I'm vegan today. Like it's no, it's not happening that way. But I do think it's making me a lot more aware and a lot more self conscious in a way that's good because it's making me question, like I said, more of the whys and not as much of the what is it that is the problem, because I know what the problem is. I understand fundamentally why. Um, So when you were going through your experience, can you tell me if there was anything in particular that was really hard for you to give up? Because I think for a lot of people, like you were saying, that feeling of discomfort is around, I'm going to feel like I'm, something's being taken away from me. Yes. And I didn't necessarily feel like something was being taken away it was more like I made the decision and then the next morning I was like oh shit I have to (laughs) to figure out what to eat now (laughs) I didn't really research anything yet and kind of took it one step at a time and I started to figure it out and tuna was like an example of something that I kind of had to think about and be like okay I like the way it tastes but I'm going to look up why maybe people don't eat it and I realized you know how many toxins and things that seep into fish from the ocean because the oceans are polluted. And it kind of makes you think like, oh, okay, maybe this will make it easier to give up because I have those things in my head when I go to have a snack or have lunch or something. And I think, oh, I could eat the tuna or I could eat something that's, you know, a chickpea salad. It's just delicious and has the same herbs and makes me feel better. And, you know, I know that it's not putting unnecessary, unnecessary things in my body that I don't need. Um, so just going through that thought process with different things and then realizing replacing it isn't causing me any pain. It's not uncomfortable. It's, you know, I'm exploring new foods in general. It, it becomes more of a comfort to be able to do that with, with different things along the way and just taking it sort of one meal at a time and one, one dish at a time. One of the challenges that I have when you go down that path is 
you know, I love vegetables, I love fruits, I love a lot of plants. And so for me, that's not a question. Like I could find things to eat. It's how do I get that feeling of, I think sort of like perceived uh, satisfaction or satiation from a fully plant-based diet. Like, will I feel like I'm being healthy enough. Will I feel like I'm getting what I need? Will I feel like I'm enjoying it? You know, because I think honestly, more than anything else, I could be totally wrong. My perception is that the feeling of going on some sort of lifestyle journey change like this is something's being taken from me. I have to give it up. I'm losing control of my choice. Well, no, you get to make the choice. That's the beauty of this. But you also need to ask yourself why you're not willing to make that choice. If you know all of these things and if it's because you don't know what to cook or you can't find alternatives that will satisfy you in some way, then be realistic about that and be honest with yourself about that. And like you said, poke at that a little bit and ask yourself if that's enough of a reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and luckily there are so many resources these days to just find foods that could maybe offer the same like taste um, combinations of things that maybe you find nostalgic and different textures, like basically any, you can replace anything with a plant-based version now, which is amazing and didn't exist. Okay, so talk to me about the health benefits of eating a plant-based diet. What's the biggest difference for someone who eats only plant-based versus someone who eats animal and or animal byproducts? So essentially, been learning about this for the last two and a half years or so, but based on a hundred plus years of research, plants and plant-based diets are healthy for all stages of life. So from pregnancy to infancy to, you know, old age, being a kid, like every, everything is, um, all of your nutrients are covered in a plant-based diet, if not um, more abundant than when you're eating the standard American diet. But essentially, what I've learned is that plant-based diets and whole foods diets, not eating like, you know, vegan hot dogs every day for lunch or potato chips and chocolate, like actually a whole foods diet that's varied and has a lot of different vegetables and fruits in it. It prevents or reverses all of the top killers and diseases that we have right now. So heart disease, diabetes, dementia, and cancer. Those are all more than not lifestyle-based diseases. Um, Cancer has obviously a whole different like spectrum of things, but when you look at the types of food that are carcinogenic and um, that have like the crazy amounts of hormones in them from you know like dairy, um, that's the type of stuff that is causing our cells to grow. And it, not that I'm a doctor or a dietitian or anything like that, but it has disclaimer made. <laughs> yes, disclaimer. <laughs> not a doctor, and there are a lot of resources we can give people to look this stuff up, but just to go through like the top four and the main points that I would make that really cause me to appreciate eating plant-based and that I'm hopefully avoiding some of these diseases. Um, heart disease is caused by, you know, eating saturated fat and cholesterol foods that are rich in that it clogs your arteries. It gives you heart disease. Like that's generally what happens. Diabetes has been sort of misunderstood. Um, and the, the resource that you usually look at is masteringdiabetes.org and they have 
all it's these two guys that have they both have type 1 diabetes but they they advocate for plant-based whole foods diets to avoid complications within type 1 diabetes and to avoid type 2 diabetes which has been proven to work i noticed i think it was probably when i was into the vegetarian lifestyle for a few months um i never had that like bloat the bloat feeling that you get from eating too much fiber all of a sudden um i kind of like eased myself into it kind of accidentally um but yeah it was it was definitely a digestion that helped me realize like my body reacts better to this kind of diet and not having you know steak tips and caesar salad for dinner like and then an ice cream sundae like that just did not agree with me and i don't think it agrees with most people but yeah no you don't i'm realize not going to feel, feel it <laughs> yeah you don't realize you feel crappy until you stop eating that stuff and you have something different well and i think sometimes we let our psychological uh component overrule what our body's telling us as well like I, there are plenty of things that i eat where i'm like i'm i'm going to feel like shit after this but i'm going to do it anyway cuz i want to enjoy the taste of it right and so it's it's a cop out I'm fully aware of that. I ate six cookies last night. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to feel like shit in the morning, but I'm doing it anyway. And so I think, you know, you're touching on this responsibility that we have to ourselves as well to pay more attention to our, our bodies and, and what they're telling us. When we think about what needs to happen for our minds, our body needs to be in alignment with that, or we're kind of just always going to have this imbalance. And it's really fascinating to hear how much you know about the science behind it because you're informing yourself and, and using that uh, and your platform to inform others. But we we know a lot of this and we ignore it in the interest of immediate gratification instead of longer term benefits. So I think the, the level of ease is the same across all of these different recipes. It's just switching out the foods that you historically used before. Um, and, you know, we use nutritional yeast. We sprinkle that on a pasta if we want some kind of cheesy flavor. And it's nutritional yeast. So it's basic. Yes, it sounds gross. But <laughs> it's it's an inactive yeast that is made from, it's like a byproduct of molasses. It's grown on molasses or beets or sugarcane. They do it in a few different ways. But basically, they grow the yeast and they dry it out and it becomes flaky and it's not active yeast anymore, but it has this like naturally cheesy flavor. I will send some to you because it's kind of ridiculously amazing. Interesting. It, I will try it. I, I you yeah. know, if there's one thing you know about me, the thing that will <laughs> n- not prohibit me from trying vegan diet is the fact that I will give anything a shot once. You've witnessed yeah. it in re- in real life. I will try most things. I have made regrettable decisions, but <laughs> but I will still try it. And you know what? I have to give my parents credit for that one because growing up it was try it. If you don't like it, don't eat it mm-hmm. in some cases, unless it was things that they were like, this is what you're eating for dinner. I don't give a shit. But <laughs> but but when it came to trying new foods, it's why I, I don't mind being a bit more adventurous. If we limit ourselves to what we believe we like, we're never going to discover other things that are interesting to us or possibly better to your point Mm -hmm. right so in that vein what's your favorite vegan meal now and why is that um you're gonna love my answer so it's called peachy all'aglione with fresh basil um basil the plant not my cat (laughs) 
Um, Thanks so for the clarification. That would have made this conversation weird. <laughs> I know, right? So it's a pasta that we found in Siena, Italy. We took a vacation there and um, we realized it's a pasta that has for like centuries been made with just flour, olive oil and water, no egg. Basically because it was the poor man's pasta because they, you know, poor people back in the day didn't have chickens, so they couldn't use eggs for their pasta. So they made this with, with no egg. So it's a naturally like vegan, fresh, homemade pasta dough. What might be worthwhile is you have, I think the it's, it's relatively limited in content to specifically your recipe book, right? But you have a website where people can download vegan recipes? Yeah, I have um, my... Instagram, as you know, that I haven't used that much <laughs> vegan for good, but I put a, just a PDF up there of some recipes of basically our favorite stuff that we make all the time. I'd love to share it with our listeners so then they can give something new a try. So do you find it difficult to find good vegan restaurants or meals uh, in general or when you travel especially? In our experience, we've we've done a pretty good job of seeking out restaurants that have options for us ahead of time. Um, if you are vegan and or just looking for vegan meals and you're traveling, the Happy Cow app is really good. Um, it basically has reviews and options in any city, in any country, essentially, of things that are available for vegans to eat. Um, but since we've traveled through Europe, just on a few vacations recently, in Italy, it was, you know, they have so many different fresh breads and soups and produce and there, there's just so much yeah there's just so much there the markets like you can just buy any produce and it's amazing so we really didn't have a problem there i think if i were gonna go vegan it would be hard to do in a place like italy because there is just an abundance of you know italian food that is is meat centric as you i think is the phrase you used at the beginning but it also seems like sort of an ideal place to do it because the fruits, the vegetables, all the produce, the, the right? Oh my God. And the bread, like, I mean, there's all these things that you can have that are so much more fresh and flavorful. Yeah. Our non-perishables are like rice and beans and all that stuff that honestly, during this quarantine, we're out of stock because people were buying them left and right. And we were like, damn it. There's nothing left for the They've vegans. Discovered our, yeah, we've discovered our secrets. I think a big misconception is that eating vegan, you don't have a lot of options. And we've been talking a little bit about how it's diversified a little bit around what you're eating and, and how people can come up with new ideas. So, you know, you mentioned grains, vegetables, you know, we talked about like leafy greens, fruits, things like that. What are some good ways that you've discovered to be able to create more meals that are vegan in your diet and what ingredients have replaced, you know, some of your previously animal-based proteins? Yeah. I mean, we use beans a lot for different things in different forms. Um, we use basically any vegetable that we use, we can kind of whatever cuisine we're looking to do that night, we can change the form of the vegetable and add spices and it becomes whatever we want it to be. As for replacements, I would say we don't necessarily replace proteins just because we're, we try not to associate the word protein with meat because it, it kind of indicates that that's all that has in it, but it comes with so many other bad things that 
and and there's protein there's so much protein in plants like it's across the spectrum there's protein in everything so that's really one thing that we don't worry about is getting enough protein because we eat enough food and that's essentially how you get enough protein i do think Um, that that's a common argument that people try to make yeah it totally is and it's it's really just because we've been conditioned with that word being slammed into our foreheads a million times from different industries that want you to identify their product with the word protein because it's an essential nutrient, but you're getting it and everything. Yeah, it's just, it's, it sounds like it's really more about being thoughtful and intentional than really being restrictive. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So I saw a stat on PETA's website that every vegan saves nearly 200 animals per year. This could be my own ignorance, so feel free to school me on it. But just because people aren't consuming animal products doesn't mean that those animals don't die, right? Like, is or is the assumption, so is the assumption there a reduction in the number of animals killed based on consumer demand? Like, how are they making that statistic? I've had conversations about this before where someone will say, like, you know, you're not literally saving animals every day because you're not eating them. They're still getting killed and the, you know, the animal ag industry gets bailed out by the government all the time. There's a surplus of, you know, dead animals lying somewhere because they killed them because they want to sell them, but they can't because they're not getting purchased and the government pays for them for it anyway. There's a lot of stuff like that. I didn't Um, know that. That's scary and sad. It is. It really ties so closely to all these other aspects of our lives. Like, I don't want to get on this massive political platform about it, but the long and short of it is humanity shouldn't be a political discussion. It should be, we are all humans and what we can do for each other to help each other and to save ourselves and our planet is to take these actions and do things with more heart behind them. And you just don't see that a lot, which is why, you know, to your point, describing having all of these extra dead animals like I can't I don't even want to say it it's like it's it's that saying it out loud makes me so uncomfortable it's why I was really apprehensive to have this conversation because you and Matt your husband have active Instagram accounts where you post pretty regularly about veganism plant-based diets but you also have taken an approach in some cases where it's a little bit of a shock factor, you know, like Matt and you are both artists. So you guys have illustrations with alarming statistics. I think one that really just like resonated in my head is one that Matt's drawn of like pigs in a slaughterhouse. The goal in my mind seeing that is create the moment of pause and ask somebody to ask themselves why. And I will say, and this is not meant as a dig at all, this is just, this is because I think that it is the uncomfortable part of the conversation that, you know, it's hard to see it. And sometimes I wish you didn't post it. Like when you have something and it's like, oh my gosh, look, that's such a cute animal. And then I like it and then I scroll and then I read it and I'm like, oh Jesus Christ. Like this is so much stuff and it's it's really overwhelming. And not that I don't share the sentiment of why you're doing it, but I'm, I'm kind of curious on why that approach because it i think you have the opportunity to connect and i think you also have the opportunity to alienate and and what do you feel like when you get you know responses on either side of that spectrum connecting and alienating are going to happen no matter what i post that's how i feel so that's fair yeah that like and no matter what i post it's going to alienate people and it's going to connect with some people and i've noticed that the 
footage of like the the baby pigs you know having their siblings dead around them while the mother is kind of stuck in a crate it's awful and i think that is the point of posting it is that why should that continue to happen just because we're but why should we ignore it because we don't see it and yeah why why should we ignore it why should it happen just because it's behind closed doors and why why should we fund it because just because it's what we've always been doing you know what i mean so i think that i can draw a bit of an abstract comparison to that it's sort of like sexual assault and rape and when you said dead animals before and we were talking about it and it's first of all not equating those two things at all but I think there's a parallel because it's these things that make people really uncomfortable because if you say it, it makes it real. When I first started posting that kind of stuff, I wasn't sure if it was reaching people or if people were even seeing it because I, you know, obviously I get a lot of likes on me and the dog, like having fun. And then if I post a dead pig, the likes don't happen (laughs) because nobody wants to like that because it's weird to like something like that. But I do think that that's one of the things too. It's like, I I like it because I like your message, right? And I and I like it because sometimes there's a cute picture there too. And then I'm like, oh no, dead animals. And then I'm like, wait, should I be liking that? Like, is that okay to like this? And so it's funny how kind of that dynamic of social media doesn't really have, uh, I know like Facebook has those tap backs where you can have different reactions, but what is the appropriate emoji or tap back reaction <laughs> to agreement philosophically on something somebody's posting yes. to not like actually be- there should be an i agree philosophically like thumbs up maybe <laughs> like a halo around it yeah. yeah oh my god i love it that's hilarious there are a few people i worked with who it made me really happy because they said that they're they were in the same boat as you their favorite animal was a pig but they were still eating bacon at breakfast and they didn't make the connection until they saw one of the videos I posted because they're like, like I am bombarded with this stuff every day because I follow a bunch of stuff that shows it. So I sometimes forget people don't see it daily. Like, like I do. You've got a little bit of a desensitization happening to be, but not, I don't want to call it not desensitization really, yeah. because I think that minimizes the emotional impact of it, but you're at right. least, um, my awareness is heightened. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, I see it all the time. I know it's there. So it doesn't shock me as much when it's in my feed. Cause I know that that's what I follow on purpose. Um, but then, yeah, when I post something, it might be the only thing that someone has seen like that in a very long time. And they're like, Oh, that's right. Or at all. <laughs> I forgot that happens. Yeah. Um, so I have gotten a few people who said like your post two months ago made me think about it and I don't eat pigs anymore. And I'm like, like really that's like, awesome that makes me it's only happened a few times but it makes me want to make people make those connections more because i do think that's important and if you do feel like that then i think you should act on it and it'll eventually reward you in a way that you didn't realize you could be rewarded before that kind of stuff is super exciting to me because i went into trying this lifestyle with like a growing passion and the passion has only grown just from the information that I've learned and the benefits that I've seen and the kind of world that has opened up to me. And I like sharing that, but I also, I understand that's kind of why like Matt and I try to sort of lead by example where we want people to see like being vegan is you can be a normal person with a normal job and like, like normal things and not be like a picketer outside of a slaughterhouse every day, even though that's, 
I respect that and I want people to do that and I am hoping to get there at some point. But I I think it's helpful for people to be like, oh, those people made pasta and tomato sauce for dinner. Um, but, you know, they're living a lifestyle that is considered extreme, which is ridiculous. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I think that's a very powerful statement, too, because it's crazy that we do live in a society where people are going to have such a strong feeling about what you choose to eat or not eat or use or not use as far as products go. And that honestly, when you really think about like, well, why are you doing this? You don't have to have, you know, the reason philosophically, like we said, you know, you can have other reasons, but there is a stigma associated with it. I will be completely honest that I'm somebody who would have spoken about veganism like I would talk about CrossFit. Like, it's yeah. like, <laughs> shut the fuck up about it, you know, like, and, 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 you know, that's, to me, that's more about a person than the practice. So when you have this idea of what it should be versus what it is, and you're not questioning that enough that's why you're going to get those types of responses what what to me it sounds like you're trying to do and correct me if i'm wrong is you're trying to normalize it and you're also trying to destigmatize it because there's i think you need a little bit of both yeah i think you're you hit the nail on the head even before i say anything like there's there are a bunch of memes that go around where like you're at a party and like the the conversation lulls and your friend says, so Elena's a vegan. And you're like, God damn it. Why did you <laughs> Throw me into the fire. I love it though. Um, That's hilarious. It's so true. You're like, oh my God. It has happened. Being identified as that makes people kind of see you as a reflection of them. So they're, they're seeing you and what you're doing and what you're not doing. And they're saying, well, I, but I, I eat all these things. Like, why is that wrong? And I empathize with the fact that people can walk into a conversation feeling defensive because everything that they love and know I'm kind of challenging with my existence and I don't I don't want them to feel attacked because I was eating the same things before for the first 25 years of my life and it's it's a really like you said it's a personal thing it's an emotional thing the food that you're eating and the way that you're living and I think that really just making people think about the the root of you know, every choice that they're making and what comes out of the end of that is really important. It, like, it's the same thing as, you know, when you're buying, no matter what kind of food, meat, cheese, like produce, if you see something that's organic and you want to avoid GMOs and you want to avoid pesticides, like it's kind of, it's a similar thing where you're just kind of going a step further and you're like, okay, I want to avoid all those things. And I want to make sure that I'm not causing unnecessary suffering. It's a it's a trickle down effect where hopefully Matt and I kind of voicing our opinions will help other people realize like oh I can I can eat really delicious food and I can maybe change the way that the planet is going at the same time. You captured it perfectly when you said it's a reflection of other people's insecurities honestly about what it is that you're doing and how they're perceived to you because of it just as much as it is for you and the perception that people have about the lifestyle that you're leading and the choices that you're making. Like, I think there's a lot of judgment that we all fear and we're all 
sort of prepared for. And at the same time, it makes having these conversations a lot less probable because nobody wants to say the wrong thing or offend somebody or be too aggressive or, you know, step on toes. But guess what? Like you don't talk about it. You never learn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I used to be really nervous to talk about this in general because I was, I had just heard about people, you know, oh, there's the annoying vegan. I didn't want to be quote unquote the annoying vegan, but now I realize that like if you have a passion about anything and you're trying to talk about it with someone who's not passionate about it, that's just annoying usually. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it's about. Um, and either that or it's eye-opening. It just depends on the person that's receiving, you know, when you're throwing information at them. To me, it's really worth getting out of my comfort zone for because it matters to me and I want there to be less factory farming and I want there to be less disease and I want, you know, overall I want <clears throat> when I'm dead and gone, I want my, you know, the, the footprint that I left to, to be something good. And, you know, even if, which I don't know if I have a lot of optimism for where the planet's going to end up, but I hopefully will be remembered as someone who tried to do something about it as with any cause that anyone cares about? I mean, I think a lot of people assume choosing to eat a plant-based diet is largely rooted in the desire to save the lives of animals. But in addition to that, there are, are a lot of environmental benefits which contribute to fighting climate change. So sort of segued nicely from what you just said is, can you talk to me a little bit about that and, and how you feel connected to the the impact of climate change by practicing a vegan lifestyle? Yeah. Um, my favorite statistic is that the animal agriculture industry releases more greenhouse gases than the whole transportation and industry combined. So planes, trains, automobiles, everything. Um, and that kind of is like combined in the, like the deforestation that goes into causing or into, um, creating space for animals to graze or creating space for the giant buildings that house them. Um, the methane that they release, like mostly cows, um, essentially they burp methane as they're digesting. And if there's so many of them, then that actually does cause um, the methane has an effect in, in the atmosphere. Um, you know, the amount of food that they eat, the transportation of the animals to the slaughterhouses, the production of the slaughter, like everything. So the idea is that if, people were eating plant-based diets, that animals would be, the population would deteriorate naturally, right? Because they wouldn't be mass producing for the purpose of food, right? So like when you talk about um, the factory farms and the deforestation and, and methane, right? Like the goal would be animals are here to serve the purpose of just being here, right? So it's sort of like the concept of puppy mills, um, which is awful, like where it's like, if you're not mass breeding these animals for this other cause, then we start to eliminate the impact that they're having with those greenhouse gases. That, am I interpreting that correctly? Yeah, definitely. Yep. And the, and to me, like, cause I've gotten the question, like, well, if we, we don't breed cows to be dairy cows or to be beef cows, like then they'd go extinct. Right. And I'm kind of like, they're already extinct. They're not being they're not contributing positively to the environment or to any ecological, you know, purpose. Um, and essentially because they also, because they consume so much more than humans do 
cutting out that middleman. And if we're eating, you know, if we're growing crops in the space that we use to grow feed for them and we're eating that, we eat way less than they do. So we really, we're cutting down the amount of land that we need to grow the amount of food that humans will eat. So if you replace a cheeseburger with, you know, let's just say some edamame or soy or whatever, um, it just takes so much less land to create the food that the humans would be eating than it does to create the food that like the cows would be eating. Aside from changing your own diet, and I know you and Matt are really active online in the effort to promote awareness around the benefits and stuff like we talked about, was there a moment that you guys sort of decided to use your collective created talents to educate people on the benefits of this? Because, you know, you'd mentioned it at the beginning, how art and your lifestyle have a nice dovetail happening between them where you're really passionate about animals and and plants and nature and the earth, but you're also, you know, you're, you're a millennial just like me. So, so did you see, uh, social media and just the internet in general as an opportunity that you could both kind of simultaneously promote your mutual passions? Yeah. Matt started out first thinking, um, about how to, channel his energy into the artwork that he was doing because before he was um just for the listeners he is an architectural illustrator so he has done really beautiful renderings of famous buildings and regular building just every he's just amazing at depicting a, a scene of architecture um and he through our experiences with being more dedicated to the vegan lifestyle he decided to want to educate people through his his artwork which it just kind of aligned naturally over the course of a couple months he he decided to start this page called the technical turtle and decided that his medium would be woodcuts so which are you know if you guys like art definitely look him up um especially vegan themed art (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah just love love for animals and love for kind of expressing ourselves through art kind of led him to starting to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, please don't don't sell yourself short. You have this really lovely balance of being able to have a super realistic artistic approach to your style, but then having this really just playful lightheartedness to it as well. And I I kind of feel like that encompasses your personality quite nicely. Oh, thanks. That, yeah, <laughs> that you're just like you have such a, a a soft, sweet, kind personality and you you have this playfulness about you inherently, but you're also really intelligent and focused and intentional about things that you do like this is a great example obviously like with how you've been able to adapt your lifestyle relatively quickly and I think without hesitation towards your your desire to promote you know a better planet and and better conditions for animals and it's really something as a friend to be able to see both yours and Matt's progress towards that and marching towards this mission as really quite inspirational. And while I've, you know, said to you, I've had these moments of pause and and kind of asked myself like, oh God, like, is this like really what I want to be looking at right now? When, when I see the art that you put out into the world that is positive and, and focused on, you know, these details that people sort of lose in our daily lives, you reignite this desire to kind of appreciate the beauty and and those moments whether they're buildings or animals or plants like there's between the two of you such artistic talent that I think 
the more that you can leverage that to help support your cause, it's just going to really help accelerate you guys, you know, and I think some on some level, a partnership between the two of you as a brand would be just an incredible thing to follow and finding like your niche together. um, It was just I mean, first of all, I would just be like so excited about seeing the content because you're both so talented, but also you you have a valuable voice and you both do. And I think that if that's your medium, you know, mine is talking. So. use which you're very good at thank you by the way i mean if if (laughs) if i'm not good i at least can't stop doing it so (laughs) but i you know and, and i think it's great to be able to apply your artistic prowess to something that you're super passionate about so the vegan for good instagram account was kind of meant for me it was a push for me to create more art that was based in kind of educating people about different animals and bringing their awareness to them and like you were saying like kind of igniting the fire and making them remember like as kids you love animals so much and like there's so many different ones that are fascinating and like your room's covered with animal like stuffed animals and animal print like ev- they're everywhere that's and then such, as you a, up, that's you such kinda, a good observation yeah it's so true yeah and then as you, you grow up you kind of lose your connection with it a little bit just because it's not as you have other things to think about but once i really became passionate about this it started to feel like, you know, is there something else I can do with my time that would make life feel more meaningful? Not that I want to leave my day job behind or quit it or stop what I'm doing, but adding something to my life that has a little bit more substance. And, you know, if I wake up thinking, oh, I'm going to be able to do that today, in addition to everything else, it'll make make getting up a little bit more enjoyable. And I love that so much. And I agree with you 100%. Do you have any tips for someone who's on the fence about starting a plant-based diet, especially if it is somebody who's obviously used to eating animal products? Like, how do you soften that blow? Because let's just say I would be willing to experiment with a vegan diet for a designated period of time to decide if I think that I would be okay with it slash make it feasible in my own life. I would say just to start with, just go with your gut and think literally about and maybe figurative, figuratively. literally go with your gut and make your gut better. Yeah. <laughs> gut health is um, mental health. Yes, that's true. I, yeah, I would start by, because you're, if you were to try it right now, your transition would be more of a transition than mine was recently, like way back in 2011, it was a big transition, but that was just me doing it. And I didn't really have anyone like guiding me or I probably didn't eat the right things for a while. Um, but I would say don't put a ton of pressure on yourself and you don't have to tell everyone that you're doing it. If you want to try it, like you also don't have to justify it. If someone finds out like who cares, you're trying it for you and you don't need to have a reason. You don't need to care about the animals. Like no, nothing, you don't have to preach to anyone. Um, but just to start, if you write down everything you currently eat and maybe do that for like a week and then take like one meal at a time and replace it with something that is like just as delicious, maybe has the same texture, flavor profile, whatever, but it's plant-based. Even if it's not the healthiest thing, like a veggie burger or like a, you know, processed non-meat, whatever, just try replacing one thing at a time and stick with those resources that 
um, are out there. So there's Challenge 22, which is a 22-day vegan challenge. That's just challenge22.com. They have a ton of resources like recipes. Forks Over Knives is another one where you could sign up and they give you a meal plan. And they basically tell you, here are the things that you can eat every day for a week for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, I met my sister's in-laws when she was getting married. And she has, they have nieces that are, um, nieces and nephews that have dairy allergies. And her mother-in-law was just using forks over knives just to find dairy-free recipes. And she knew what nutritional yeast was. It was awesome. She was like all into it. And they were not a vegan family, but she was using that as a dairy-free resource. So it shows how easy it is to kind of work them into your day, even if you haven't before. Um, and if you need, you know, sort of emotional fuel, there are plenty of documentaries that will show you the reasons to to not eat animals and why they would be happier if we didn't eat them as much. <laughs> Number one, they don't die. <laughs> yeah. You don't get, you know, bred into existence just to get chopped up. Yeah. Well, kind of God, that's, I think, the most painful reality of it, right? The part where, like, your empathy and everything that you kind of have built into your world of expectations collide. And I think that happens with plenty of topics. But when it's related to something like an animal that, you know, we are as humans inherently connected to, but where do you feel, um, you know, is a good starting point for somebody who wants to be able to not only learn, but help inform people in a way that reduces the judgment and the anxiety of the stereotyping? So if you are looking to start to change your lifestyle, I would look at all of the evidence-based research about both health and just connect more with, you know, what's happening to the animals to get on their way to get to your plate. What do you find as good resources for that? And I mean, you don't have to like really list websites or anything, but when you talk about the evidence-based research, are there specific organizations that you follow that it's yeah. more beneficial um, in your opinion? Yeah. The first one is nutritionfacts.org mm -hmm. and it sounds really generic, but it's, it's a real by, website. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> it's run by Dr. Michael Greger. Um, he also does the daily dozen checklist for just, you know, day to day, what you should eat to have optimal health and, you know, what supplements to take. Um, and not necessarily related to just veganism, but just in general. It's, or is it vegan based? He promotes plant based. Well, he so he on the website, he takes studies that are done about all different types of things from um, what foods do to your body to, you know, what kind of diseases, you know, what they are and what they do and how you can get them and um, how to stay healthy. And the basically the cons consensus on his site is that whole food plant-based diets are the healthiest to follow. Mm -hmm. um, but he doesn't like push necessarily push veganism, but he, based on the evidence, that's right. That's a, the Greg, it's evidence-based research. Hence what I <laughs> said. <evidence>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a really good resource. I use that one constantly when I have a question about a food or, you know, an herb, like anything. Um, and the other one for health that I would go to is Mastering Diabetes. So it's masteringdiabetes.org. And that's what I was talking about before, where they they essentially talk about, because diabetes is so prevalent and pre-diabetes in the United States, they, they talk about how to avoid it. And if you have it, how to reverse it, if you can. Um, and it's essentially just a lot of really good information about what different foods do to your body. Um, 
And then if you are looking for, you know, animal rights organizations to follow, um, Anonymous for the Voiceless is really um, very direct and to the point about animal rights and they answer the tough questions really bluntly. Um, but they also, they have a lot of footage from factory farms and slaughterhouses and you can kind of poke around and sort of look at what they have. And it's, it's a lot of really influential, um, footage that they have. Obviously, there's no shortage of resources that you're able to share with us. And I'm excited about that. And I'm I'm going to absolutely be sharing some of these links out to the listeners. But the last topic that I wanted to tackle is actually the charitable cause that we're supporting with the episode today, which is Farm Sanctuary. So can you tell me a little bit about that, how it's a resource for you and, and other vegans, but also, you know, why this specific cause is important to you? Yeah, so farmsanctuary.org. Um, Farm Sanctuary exists up in Watkins Glen, New York, and I think they have a West Coast location as well, but they are, um, it's a really amazing place that takes in um, animals either from the animal agriculture industry that kind of, you know, through how whatever means they either escape or get sold or they, they get into the farm sanctuaries under their umbrella and they take them in and take care of them. Um, it's a really great place to bring people if you're trying to sort of introduce them to different types of animals maybe they've never met before, like cows and chickens. Have and you been there? And, no, and I, I really want to go. And I've been trying to plan to go because they have tiny houses you can also stay in on the property. Uh, fun like, fact for the listeners that you don't know that we didn't talk about is that Elena and her husband, Matt, lived in a tiny house that they built for some period of time. I unfortunately never had the luxury of, of visiting, but you guys did lose my interest at compost toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> no, we loved it. We lived in it for three years and it's still in my parents' yard, but we're selling it because... It's time has come. And we also have a, another little house that we live in that has a regular toilet, <laughs> even though I want a compost toilet for my bathroom. But I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm going to I respect your dedication to the climate. I really do. I, I that's absolutely <laughs> where I draw the line. You might be able to sway me a little bit more on veganism, but but the toilet okay. situation is I'm not going to convince you is plumbing period that's it <laughs> there's no further discussion <laughs> there are much more sophisticated versions of the compost toilet that exist that we didn't have that maybe i would have gotten if we had planned better sorry so farm sanctuary it's in new york you haven't yet visited and um but but you'd like to so um talk to me a little bit more about uh, the the program that they have yeah so they they take in animals they they really give they have ambassadors basically um who can give people experiences with animals maybe they wouldn't have met before. So any animals maybe that would be on their plate. Literally. Um, and they also just, yeah, <laughs> maybe literally. Um, yeah. They're also, I think he's the founder, um, Gene Bohr. He, I found them because he was on Fox news as like a, um, just a guest talking about veganism. Um, and he handled the questions really well. And he, seems like an amazing person to learn from when trying to talk about veganism. And he's just started this foundation and this uh, organization that just saves so many animals and it has so, so much space and 
is so influential um, that I just I fell in love with their organization. So I would definitely definitely um, promote them as someone to donate to. And there are tons of little farm sanctuaries around the country that I try to support as well. It's wonderful that they have a, a place like that and not just to you know, support the animals, but also to educate people as well. Uh, and it sounds like you can have a pretty cool experience there. So it's a very exciting um, opportunity. And hopefully once all of this craziness ends and people are traveling more, you'll have the opportunity to do that. Well, thank you so much for joining uh, the call today. It was super fun to have this conversation. You know, I really appreciate your authenticity and, and your integrity behind your beliefs with this and thank you for sharing it with me and educating me and our listeners and I'm really excited for where where this goes and what you're you and Matt are going to continue to do with your platform as well me too and thank you so much for having me and um, for letting me blabble on about <laughs> different <laughs> things I'm really passionate about but yeah I I just hope that this gave someone somewhere some information that they could use and maybe improve their life and have have a bigger purpose um all the while helping the planet and the animals yeah that's you know that's my goal with this in general so i i really appreciate you being part of it well gang that's all for this episode of the who the fuck podcast thanks for listening and a big thank you to elena may grunberg for sharing her story and her time visit who the fck.com slash donate to contribute to the cause that elena's supporting today farmsanctuary.org share your email at who the fck.com to receive important podcast updates plus make sure you subscribe to the who the fuck podcast wherever you listen and if you haven't yet go ahead and share a little love by rating the show too until next time 